Hello and welcome to SpoilerCast, a hungry gamer's offshoot that aims to inform, entertain and educate you on one particular release from within the geek culture universe. And on this episode we are tackling a game that was released on the 27th of January of 2023 to much critical acclaim, earning a Metacritic score currently of 88 out of 100. Developed by Motive Studio and published by EA, this spoiler cast sees us wandering the dark and dangerous hallways of the USG Ishimura in Dead Space Remake, which is of course this generation's vision of the 2008 game of the same name. And the setting of the game is as follows. Set in the 26th century, engineer Isaac Clarke, a repair vessel crewman, investigates the USG Ishimura, a massive planetary mining ship that has gone silent above the planet Aegis 7. While investigating a distress call from the ship's medical officer and Isaac's girlfriend, Nicole Brennan, Isaac and his crew are attacked by creatures made from mutated human corpses called necromorphs. Isaac is forced to fend for himself as he tries to save his crewmates and learn the truth behind the loss of the Ishimura. And I am your extremely humble and extremely scared host of this episode of Spoiler Cast, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan8Bits. And joining me on this nightmare fueled journey is my co-pilot of this third person Scarefest. You can find him on them socials at Jono himself. Australia's Jono Peck. What is going on, my scared friend? I would not make an attractive uh, necromorph, Brendan, that's for sure. <laughs> would anybody? <laughs> who do you think would be a sexy necromorph in, in history? Who do you think would make a sexy uh, necromorph? Let's see. I'm trying to think of like a, a an NBA player who already looks like one. <laughs> like, I was thinking Stacy Keebler because she's got legs, okay, big yeah. legs. I was going to say like Stacy Keebler necromorph, like Sean Bradley or something. Like he's already pretty much there with those long, <laughs> skinny limbs. You know, Anthony Anthony Davis. Yeah, I don't know the wingspans there. Yeah, the brow becomes some <laughs> other little nightmare uh, fuel yeah. creature on its head that's self-existing, but. Uh, yeah, we are here. We are tackling a game that dropped a little over a week ago officially on PC as well as console. Uh, the remake done by Motive Studio and obviously published by Electronic Arts. Jono, what is your feeling? What is your general thoughts and your experience on this fantastic horror remake known as Dead Space? Oh, I'm really happy to be talking about this game because... I've never spoken about it before because this is my first Dead Space <laughs> experience. So it was great to kind of see what all the, you know, hype and fanfare has been about over the uh, over the years, over the past, I guess, 15 years of, of this game existing. And, um, you know, I only started playing horror games a few years ago, uh, kind of dipping my toe into the likes of Alien Isolation and uh, a few of those those kinds of games. So it was a freaky, scary thing. And hearing everyone talk about how scary it was actually made me feel pretty good because it, you know, apart from the occasional um, moment, which we'll get to later, I, I didn't feel I didn't have nightmares or anything. Like it wasn't, uh, I didn't didn't haunt me. We'll say, but um, yeah, this is a fantastic remake uh i can only talk about it obviously from the perspective of what this version's like i'm interested to hear how how you d discuss it as something that has uh, that you know you've got the prior knowledge of the original but um yeah i absolutely loved it and apart from you know a few decisions that they made which i assume are to honor the original vision um i think it felt like a modern triple a game and it, it really being exclusive to the new generation of consoles so forgetting about the ps4 forgetting about xbox one 
um, that allowed it to to really push the limit in, in some of the uh, technical aspects. And if I hadn't, if this was a brand new game that you know, new IP, I would say it's going to be iconic because that was my sense that of playing it. I can see why it's held in such high esteem because there's so much about it that just stays with you, whether it's the visuals or the the atmosphere. So yeah, that that's my in a in a kind of general sense experience from from this time playing the game what about you that i gotta say that makes me very happy to hear those uh those positive words and and glowing reviews on a genre that yeah is still sort of very very new to you you are not the the horror savant yet but it's nice that you're sort of getting deeper and deeper out into this this dredgy murky scary unsafe ocean of horror and yeah dead space released way back when on in 2008 so yeah like you said we're talking 15 years back so this is a game that really really stood out back then and this remake feels like it's going to do the same now a decade and a half on like you said it's iconic's a great word to to describe this game because it is unique in a lot of ways it takes some liberties from a lot of science fiction and horror tropes and it does it well in its own way which i can really appreciate but the game is stunning the game is terrifying and creepy and nerve-wracking but then it's also beautiful in a way by how twisted and creepy it is but also just the lighting effects the way light and darkness plays a part in this game the zero gravity parts where you are out in space and it's like dead silent and yet it's still scary or it's beautiful like it's very haunting in all the right ways and aesthetically it is stunning the necromorphs have never looked better slash worse depending on which way you want to interpret that like you said it was designed strictly for current gen or next gen console like we're not worrying about xbox ones and playstation fours this is just you know latest hardware driven and you can really see the development team at Motive really, really got every sort of squeeze out of that of this game that they could. Like it feels like they're pushing this hardware, especially from a console level, to its limits because it's stunning. It's taking some great cues from things, you know, God of War in 2018 started to standardize. And yeah, it just plays great. It feels good. It is very respectful to the source material but also feels fresh in a lot of ways where they do take the story a little bit different or some of the interactions with characters you feel is going to go x instead it goes y and stuff like that so even though i hazily remembered the main beats of the story it still felt like i was playing a new game and that is uh you know testament to motive i think yeah that's cool because i'm sure there are things like main story beats you remembered or the you might remember the weapons or certain enemies but to go in without having played it recently, I guess, probably helps it feel like a, a new experience. Yeah, 100%. Like, uh, completely different games, but still in that survival horror realm. I got some real Resident Evil 2 remake vibes from oh, this, yeah. where it, it felt like I was walking a, an eerily familiar path, but then the path was just, yeah, forking in directions I wasn't expecting. And uh, I was all for every moment of the... Yeah, about 15 hours or so it took me to hmm. to clear those 12 chapters and kill all those evil, evil, terrifying, nightmare-fueling necromorphs. Yeah, which is a little longer than the original from what I understand. So they have, you know, it, it's not a, um, uh, like a Shadow of the Colossus kind of 
remake. It's more of a Resident Evil Two style, you know, re- reimagining or, or, or ground up remake, I guess you could say. Where, I, from what I've heard, like the navigating around the Ishimura is slightly different, and there's puzzles that weren't in the original, and gameplay mechanics that are new to this version, and even like I, I think I heard a boss fight that that wasn't in there before, as well as side quests that weren't an element prior so they haven't just put a fancy new skin on it and redone the the ai and and the the combat necessarily it's it's a lot more than that which is is good because you know there are a few people uh that kind of doubted whether this was going to be excellent and to see that it's sitting around that 88 on metacritic and i mean if if we're going to make the the elephant in the room uh, comparison is is that it's definitely <laughs> outshining Callisto Protocol, which was the concern that it would be the other way around with them releasing so close together and obviously having that uh, you know similar uh, fingerprints as far as the yeah, creator. Well, yeah, obviously, yeah. Glenn Schofield going from from Visceral to to his new studio there with Callisto, and I, I'm probably indirectly sitting right beside Glenn Schofield eating a bit of humble pie because I spent most of 2022 feeling like Callisto was going to run laps around Dead Space and in in essence, it's gone the opposite way. Like, I, I really enjoyed Callisto, don't get me wrong, but this game is like, uh, you know, steps ahead as far as everything to do with it. The, mm. the production value, the, the voice work, the soundtrack, just every... Everything that Callisto does, Dead Space does better. And, you know, that's not a detriment to Callisto, but it's just, it just shows how great and how passionate Motive were in, in making this remake their own and just knocking it out of the space park, which I think they did in so many ways. <laughs> yeah, very good. Yeah, so let's maybe maybe shift gears. We'll uh, obviously, for, for new listeners that haven't tackled the spoiler cast episode before, this the way this podcast works, obviously, is the first half. We're going to talk about the main beats and everything in a spoiler-free fashion uh, for everything to do with Dead Space. And then we're going to shift gears in the back half where nothing is off limits. So we'll give you a hard exit point if you do not want anything spoiled from the game. But right up until you hear that cue, everything is, is fair game. We're not going to be ruining anything for you. So you can listen along and get our insights and experiences in a completely spoiler-free fashion. So let's let's talk about you know voice work, music, and maybe the story as well. JP, what's what's your overall vibe with Dead Space in those fashions? Yeah, I, I just found it hugely atmospheric. Uh, was was how I wanted to pull it. The environment of the you know the Ishimura space station is so rich with storytelling, even without any dialogue. Even if you ignore the audio diaries and the notes that you find like there's just so much to see and and read from it being like you know a workplace with different areas whether it's a medical lab cryogenics like science experiments happening over here crew quarters here like just walking around you get the sense of this place and the fact that it's overrun by these these monsters means that everything's just fallen into disrepair so there's a lot to kind of read into just on that very basic level without any of the the effort of um of telling the story of the game so fr- from there i found um the story itself has some some intrigue um i didn't find it like incredibly emotional or moving um which i guess you know you're more of the horror expert than me but you know it freaks you out and that's probably the thing that they're aiming to do more than like 
make you cry in the way that you you ha- you do with some of these other games that we've played and talked about recently, like you know, God of War, Ragnarok, Plague Tale. Like they're more narratives that I'm getting sucked into than this one. But having said that, you know the the concept of you know figuring out what went wrong on this space station and getting to know the different characters. There's there's some um, some gold to be mined there. I did find it hard to get invested in um, Isaac as a character. You don't really, I feel like, get to know him as a person until much later in the game when they reveal a few things about his past. And because you're talking to his crewmates and uh, girlfriend via mostly like these audio radio messages that you're sending back and forth as you communicate, I, I found it harder to differentiate between them and remember was this the one from before is this the guy that i walked in with or is this the one that i met on the radio so it was kind of harder and that's i think a remnant of that original game where it was a bit harder to tell a cinematic kind of story in 2008 so they did rely on you know keeping the characters separated and not having to animate all these facial animations and the kind of stuff that's much easier now but um it kind of dates the game as far as the way that they tell the story now and that's I, I think it is a shame that they felt they had to stick to that maybe it would have broken the game if they went too far away from it um but that's the thing that sticks out the most as as far as this is a game from 2008 at, at its essence yeah and um they they did sort of pull it kicking and screaming into 2023 in in one big way because yeah, due to, I guess, hardware limitations back in 2008, yeah, Isaac Clarke was a silent protagonist in that one. He had no voice work. You didn't really see his face at all. They didn't get any of that in the first one. Like, they started voicing him and giving him a bit more of a personality thanks to Gunnar Wright, who's actually come back to reprive uh, to, to sort of jump back into the boots of Isaac Clarke again, which is really cool. And They've tweaked his facial animations to also loosely resemble Gunner, which is a nice little uh, you know sign of respect to the original voice work there that was done to uh, great effect in two and three. But in Dead Space One, you didn't hear a peep out of Isaac. He was just this silent engineering drone that just went from spaceport to spaceport and you know killed things in a whole heap of creative ways, and that was it. So even though it still does feel very two thousand and eight ish, it does make this game a lot more modern because that is the big glaring change. Mm. Going from silent Isaac, non-emotive Isaac, to this guy where he's having interactions with with various NPCs and, and sharing his thoughts vocally as opposed to what happened in, in number one where it was a series of maybe grunts and just how <laughs> he was moving and like if he's really hurt, you could sort of see him a little bit keeled over and stuff. So that was a bit of a change to it, but I think that added some more weight and emotion to those interactions and story. But yeah, they could have certainly lent into that a lot more too. I think they could have maybe raised the stakes a lot more. Like we've got similar notes in, in sort of our, uh, in our thought processes here with dead space where you're constantly getting like glass ceilinged in this game where you're getting to a big moment and then you see it play out in front of you, but you can't interact. You can't do anything. You're just forced to just watch and like watch on aimlessly because there's always a goddamn <laughs> protective glass pane in front of these key yeah. junctures. So I wish they maybe allowed some more face-to-face or direct interactions with with characters and maybe had a little bit of downtime to, to flesh out some backstories and further humanize these characters. But yeah, it's, mm. it's very much 
the horror and the atmosphere is front and center and everything else sort of sits in the back. Yeah, the amount of times you actually interact with a human and they're standing in the same room as you really stood out because you're like, oh, I'm actually like, I can actually walk up to them and look at them and like and inspect their, their you know, character model. It, it's so rare in this game. Um, and I think, you know, as I was saying before, it's it's kind of just a hangover from that original. And and like you said, the, the voiceless protagonist thing, whether it was a... Um, uh, you know, capacity of the team's development process to, to make that decision, or I think more just the trend at the time. Like Bioshock is, is another massive game from slightly Bioshock, earlier. Bioshock, you know, the Elden Ring games, stuff yep. like Far, that. Far where... Cry games back then. You say you said Elden Ring. I think you meant Elder Scrolls, but yeah. I do mean Elder Scrolls. <laughs> Elden Ring does have silent a silent protagonist still, <laughs> yeah. so I'm not lying. But it wasn't definitely no. wasn't made in the in the 2000s. Yeah, yeah. but you know, it was just. A thing that was done, you know, right? It's it still happens. It's it still happens, and it still bothers me every time it happens now. Um, but you know, it's happening less and less, which is is good to see. Uh, we're talking about the narrative in the broader sense as well, but I think like just the the sound, the sound design of this game is such a huge part in creating that eerie atmosphere and um, kind of telegraphing what's happening. As the player, you need to listen out for the monsters, the necromorphs, as they, you know, bust out of the vents or or drop out of the roof or whatever it is. Uh, you you always, almost always hear them before you see them, and it creates that moment of kind of panic where you're like, okay, which direction are they coming from? Are they coming from behind me? Are they coming from in front of me? Sometimes both, and um, that really adds to the to the overall terror and and thrill. At, at the end of the day, I think. Um, I don't actually remember any music. Is there any music in the game? There's a there's a couple of pieces, but it's really subdued. For the most part, it's just background ambience, but there is some stuff near the back end of the game where there is some sort of big soaring, soaring sort of almost, I don't know what you call it, like operatic synthetic sort of stuff. It was this weird sort of contrast, but okay. there was a couple. But for the most part, it's... Yeah, the the Ishimura is the soundtrack that you're listening to, and like you said, the the necromorphs. You'll hear the the tapping of their bloody claw like <laughs> appendages against walls, or up in the vents, or the screams and the slurps, and just you're always on edge. And I love that. Like for, throughout most of the game, I'm holding left trigger or L two <laughs> if we're talking PlayStation. Yeah. Just having my weapon up, not only just because it's dark and that's the only way to goddamn see, yeah, yeah. Un- unless there's ambient lighting in the scene, but just being ready because, yeah, something's never too far away from busting out of a roof or a floor panel or a wall panel or wherever it's going to come from. But it's never like death and danger is licking its lips, just staring at you from the shadows 24 mm. 7 in this game. And it, it, you're never really safe because even if you backtrack, They've built this game as kind of, I wouldn't, I'm not going to call it a Metroidvania, but there's backtracking as far as you know, you upgrade your car key, you car key, you can go back and open more chests that you or rooms that you couldn't open before, and I guess they know that people are going to be wandering around because they bring enemies back to areas you cleared out earlier mm-hmm. in the game. So yeah, there's never really a, a safe <laughs> moment. Not at all. And even like some of the central hub areas where there is that sort of primary connector zone where there's the save point, there's the store, 
Yeah. Necro's get in there too. Like you run back yeah. through and you're like, cool, I can breathe for a second. I'm going <laughs> to save. I'm going to sell this loot that I was picked up and upgrade some. It's like, no, you're not because there's a few Necros in there coming through your blood. Especially if you uh, hang around near the door. It's like, that's something I was going to talk about in, in like the gameplay and combat section is using the doors as like a, a strategy. It's, you, you can sometimes run away from these things, but the, they can't open the doors. Only you can. So you can kind of use that to kind of gate them and keep them away from you. But then, you know, if you ever need to go back down that corridor, you know, as soon as that door slides open, you're going to have to get the flamethrower going or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, are you like me? And any time you came across a dead body, you just stomped it just to be, just to be safe. <laughs> and, and I forgot about that sort of core mechanic in this franchise because... Yeah, like as as we mentioned in the lead in, like you're you're just this this space engineer. Your your whole life is fixing spaceships and machinery and stuff. You're not a warrior, you're not a soldier, and yet you you're tasked with saving the universe, really. And the the reckless abandon you have, either swinging your melee ability or stomping on corpses, and like that that's it's sort of a gripe. But because you mentioned, I'll just mm-hmm. I'll sort of bring it up now. It sort of irks me that he doesn't really wince at this like you're stomping on bodies and disintegrating them with your big boots and there's viscera (laughs) everywhere and this was a human being two seconds ago you see so many just about every npc you get to thereabouts will either die in front of you or is dying by the time you get to them and they keel over and then you stomp on them and you'll get some ammo or a health pack but isaac's like i'm so sorry i need to do this for like my own good i need these more than you it's never that it's just whack stomp (laughs) Blood, bones, everything. And then you pick it up and you just keep going. Like he's very, very heartless in this, in those moments, which surprises me. Yeah, I guess they didn't, um, you know, when they took him from voiceless protagonist to, to voiced protagonist, they didn't add that extra layer of uh, empathy. <laughs> yeah, he's got that in some moments, like in the, the I guess, the, the cut scenes with, with key characters and key uh, situations playing out. But yeah, just general gameplay loop. When you're stomping on bodies, yeah. he don't he don't give two shits. <laughs> yep. All right. Anything else you want to bring up regarding sort of story, voice work, music, or shall we shift no, into that core gameplay loop where we're going to be talking, you know, puzzles, combat, weapons, and everything else in between that fits that uh, beautiful, repulsive, yeah. <laughs> fantastic skin crawling loop that we do in dead space so jp what what's your initial thoughts in that sort of bucket of goodies it's uh it's a good combination like between the puzzles that are mostly okay you know sometimes it's a bit tedious when they're a bit longer especially if you have to repeat them because the game doesn't auto save uh frequently enough to avoid that but we'll talk about that more a bit later but you know between the puzzles the the exploration the um combat that you know is coming and then the combat that surprises you yeah i think that the the game moves at a good pace it's never too repetitive as far as like oh he like you know another room full of monsters here we go like it's never quite that feeling it's always the mystery as you enter a new room as to what's going to happen here is it going to be a storytelling room is it going to be a boss encounter is it going to be a puzzle and then as soon as i finish the puzzle i'm going to get attacked uh it keeps you guessing and that's that works really well um for many of the reasons we've talked about already i think i agree and and i like as well that even though these environments are similar there is some variety and variation to when you do go into new zones and mm-hmm. 
experience what kind of hell might await as these these doors ominously open up in front of you but i do like that no matter where you seem to go a lot of the a lot of the zones in the areas you're in are pretty pretty confined like it's not massive open areas you're running along pretty narrow board like catwalks yeah. or navigating various debris so you're constantly not only on the back foot because you've got necromorphs coming from every direction but trying to maneuver your way around like you're not you're not you're not nimble in your in your space engineer suit uh you, you do have a, a run-based ability which feels more like a, a canter as opposed <laughs> to a, a full-fledged sprint yeah. but it adds to the tension and it adds to just the overall stress that you have in this game especially where you're trying to solve puzzles and you've got enemies uh coming at you from other directions while you're trying to you know stasis carry a, a battery cell over here yeah. to to power up a certain zone or whatever it might be like I like that the game, even in those quiet moments, the heart still feels racing. Like I always felt a bit of tension, even when I felt I cleared out a room, like I can breathe for a second. I'm like, no, I'm going to take one more step and something's going to bust out of here (laughs) or whatever. Like I felt like I was always on edge and that's just a sign of good storytelling. But once I was on that edge and the fighting and the chaos ensued from there, having such a good variety of weaponry, at your disposal was really great. Like we've got, what is, I think there's seven, seven varied weapons. And then you've got an alternative fire Mm -hmm. on each one of those. And then there's special abilities you can unlock on those weapons too, depending on how you want to use your little upgrade nodes. So there's a lot of ways to skin a necromorph sized cat. That's for sure. In this game, you can have a lot of fun and get a lot of creativity with how you want to try and survive. Or if you want to use your stasis and just, freeze some enemies in front of you to maybe just run past and just get out of there and get beside behind that door so you can breathe for a second i like that the gameplay loop it's consistent but it feels like you can personalize it in a way yeah. with, with the sheer amount of ways to disarm or dismember necromorphs and other baddies yeah definitely i i think that the game's at its best when it is frantic and you're kind of you know paranoid at who's coming up behind you who's the, who's shooting at me where are they in this room um, I can't quite see it, but I can see that I'm getting hit by something. Um, and it, it, the game, the nature of the way they've made this game is that it, it's it's probably a different experience for everyone that goes into each situation because you have problem solving that you have to do related to how much ammo you're carrying, how much, how many med kits you've got. It will change the way that you play and the weapons that you choose to use, uh, which I think makes it just an ever evolving. Um, experience of like okay how am i going to approach this level you know i do a puzzle and i know that you know it's going to send an an elevator down and i'm gonna have to wait like two minutes for it and that means i'm going to get attacked by like 10 monsters and you can kind of go around the room and plan out okay there's a fire extinguisher over there there's a little stasis tube there i can blow that up and that'll take someone out and if i can blow that up that's explosive too and that'll wipe out too if i can get them to both come into the same point at the same time in the same you know area and you just kind of have to use everything at your disposal at some points because the there's the ammo scarcity is done really well where you're not just overflowing with the it's kind of it reminds me of the last of us where like not every single bullet is valuable but you don't want to just be wasting it you have to be careful thinking like you know there's there's a mechanic of shooting like uh uh you know the, like the parasitic growths or whatever um i can't remember what they call it but you don't want to use a good ammo on that you want to get like maybe the flamethrower or something that's got like heaps of 
of of ammo in the reserve because you're not going to miss it as much. So there's just so much much there as far as layers in terms of how you can approach it and things to think about when you're playing that just makes all of this stuff so much fun. I agree. I I love the chess match that is this game where like like a Resident Evil, like a Last of Us, your ammo is constantly in short supply. So and especially when you do pick up a new weapon, you go into a new zone or you start a new chapter and you, and you, you finally get a hold of the line gun or the flamethrower or whatever and you immediately go, oh, that's the new and shiny. I want to use this. <laughs> but then you go, I know this is more powerful than the pulse rifle I've got. So maybe I just park this because no doubt there's going to be stronger enemies coming up. So there is this sort of internal game of chess you're playing to make sure you're always got enough resources and components to survive what may or may not be on the other side of that door. And... I like that you can sort of strategize and plan out attacks and certain enemy salvos that are coming your way and, and you can really uh, yeah, be on the front foot or if you need to breathe for a second, having that stasis ability and if you can level it up so you've got a few extra charges or, this, or the zones where there's constant stasis charge points in an area, phenomenal because that is like the ultimate... I need a second. It's almost like an in-game pause where you can do that. You can strategize. Okay, yeah. that necro is taken out for now. I'm going to go focus my fire on this exploder necro variant over there and then shift back to the lurker that was giving me a headache or whatever. So I like that there is so many variables at any given turn and the weapons that they give you all feel so great. They all yeah. feel different and they all have different utility and mixing and matching them together. You do feel really powerful sometimes but mm. then when you realize yeah you've got one bullet left in the in the weapon you love so much you go shit now i gotta pivot back to the plasma cutter that maybe i haven't upgraded for a few chapters that might be a little weaker so then the heart rate goes up again and that confidence subsides so i like that there is these ebbs and flows as far as feeling strong to feeling very helpless definitely yeah i think it's it's kind of just like accepted because this game's been out for 15 years but the mechanic of having to shoot the limbs in itself is such a, to, like to me as a newcomer, such a breath of fresh air as far mm-hmm. as every other game is shoot them in the head. You know, Resident Evil, you can shoot them anywhere, but if you shoot them in the head, that's that's what you really want to do. To take that and go, no, actually, for some reason, shooting them in the head doesn't work. <laughs> you got to shoot them in the limbs. And, and the way that, that, you know, you kind of play enough video games like we do and more or less you've, think you've seen everything these guys introduced a skin layer system to this game it's so good has anyone done this before i don't think anyone's i'm not done too this. sure to be honest like there is like i think back to 2008 and there was like a like soldier of fortune came out in those in those 2000s as well where you could whittle away at, at appendages and eventually you know blow off a leg or an arm right. or whatever so so there is some games out there that do similar but nothing to this depth like you can watch a blast from from your plasma cutter or a blast from your pulse rifle you know you shoot this necro in the knee and you can see yeah a bit of flesh is gone and then a little bit more flesh and a little bit of bones exposed and you shoot it again then it's the full bone like it's Mm. the attention to detail in executing that and it's not just it's like you know the primary joints it's not the elbows and knees or whatever you call them on a necro bladed arm but like (laughs) Wherever you shoot them on that limb, you can see that that skin get worn away. Like it's it's gone into a lot of detail. Like mm. the devs that put that together, who was part of the the skin layer system team, 
at Motive, like hat tip to those legends because it's so messed up, but it's so well done. Yeah, if you think of it like in, in Mass Effect terms, a lot of the enemies have like the barrier or the shield and then they've got the armor and then they've got their regular health. And it's basically a visual guide to that is once you peel off the outer skin, then you've got like, you know, the, the muscle. And then once you peel that back, you've got the bone and then you want to clean through that to, to take off the limb. And it's it gives you something to aim at and <laughs> it's really useful to have a visual guide of uh, of... Of, of where to where to concentrate your fire completely agree and then you think oh awesome i've taken its legs out i'm safe and it's like no it's gonna <laughs> crawl at you until it's yeah. out of breath like you are yeah. getting chased by uh limbless creatures throughout this game whether it be one leg two legs you take their legs off then they just start sort of shimming with their torso if they don't have their arms like it is messed up getting chased around by just these Somehow living cadavers mm. is so great and it's one of my favorite memories of this game. Just definitely you can you can never be <laughs> sure until you ultimately stomp on it and it gives you some type of item to know it's from <laughs> yeah. And then you have like these big rooms where you have to kind of run around to avoid getting attacked, but you know, you're you're shooting at the same time and you're doing laps and then you realize that, you know, the one that you thought you took out still got a bit of crawl left in it. So you gotta worry about that one as well yeah it, it it's the gift that keeps on giving really yeah it, it's so good and yeah i i love just that simple loop there is some backtracking in the game obviously where you can sort of traverse up and down the ishimura when certain zones open up but i do like with that it doesn't feel like they're disrespecting your time like there is new things to discover whether mm-hmm. it be side quests and giving you insight and intel on certain characters or a situation that's played out or getting new blueprints for upgrades for for your arsenal so it's 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 nice that they are very appreciative of the ga- of the gamer and giving you things to potentially rinse and repeat zones in uh, in a meaningful way yeah aside from some of the um issues that i had with having to repeat certain sections because the autosaves aren't generous at all (laughs) aside from that i really felt that my time was suspected that they weren't padding out the game at all uh, which is appreciated because you don't need something like this to go for 20 plus hours i don't think yeah like like we we clocked in i think you said was it 15 or 16 you played for 16 for me yeah, so, so that's that's still a meaty, meaty game and it sets a pretty good pace. Like we've got 12 chapters to work our way through in this game and mm. every one of those chapters brings something new and takes you to new areas within this universe and it's just really, really well paced. Yeah. All right, so let's, uh, let's maybe shift into the presentation aspects of Dead Space, talking graphics, performance, anything like that. My... My super quick opinion on this is it's stunning and it's stunning and beautiful in all the dark and twisted ways. Like seeing the, the, the Ishimura and the bones of this massive majestic planet smashing space vessel and then seeing it just so run down and taken over by these necromorph demonoid things that contrast is really great. Like I rewatched aliens recently Mm -hmm. and it made me think a lot of Hadley's hope when you got the space Marines in there and they're walking through and you can see there's been all kinds of wars already played out in here and little skirmishes and, and seeing what this place used to be to what it is currently. I I like the contrast and the environment itself 
gorgeous. The lighting, whether it be playing off off the lighting or the darkness, is really, really well done. I played on the Xbox Series X, and this thing, super, super smooth. No issues, no crashes, no frame rate dips, no tears, no dropouts, anything like that. Like I had a perfect experience from front to back. What about you? Pretty much like... Pretty much the same, I should say. <laughs> um, it's you know, f- from as soon as I started playing the game, I wanted I wanted there to be a photo mode, and there wasn't. Which I'm going to put that down as a, as a mark against it because it's so. Um, I guess you said it before, like hauntingly beautiful would would be the word. It's not quite fair to just straight up call it beautiful, <laughs> but uh, whether it's like the you know the the armor that you're wearing and that cool mask with the lights across it or the different kinds of um futuristic uis that pop up when you're just accessing your menu which again having a diegetic menu system in a game like this is i know it was way ahead of its time in 2008 but it's still cool in in 2023 um to, to see it built into the game in that way rather than just a typical game menu there's so much that, that shines in the, in that way. And the only performance issue I had is getting stuck in a spot when I was trying to be a bit fancy and, and hide from a, a necromorph. <laughs> I thought, oh, if I just go in that gap there, then they won't be able to get me. Uh, and uh, I couldn't get out. <laughs> so I was right, but uh, I was wrong at the same time. And so I had to restart. And um, again, it's the third time I've mentioned it, but the autosaves kicked me back quite away or it might, might have just been to my previous save. I probably lost 10 minutes or so. Um, okay. But yeah, it's not terrible, but it's still annoying. That That's all I have to, to, to say about that really. It, it feels like a PS5 Series X game in, 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 you know, the way that it's not having to run on PS4s and, and Xbox Ones. And, you know, bravo for not having any loading screens anywhere mm-hmm. in the game except for when you die um the, the the load after you die which i saw a lot is a little bit longer than other games but it's like it you know it's kind of it's fine because the lack of loading screens elsewhere makes up for that i think you know you have um obviously there's these tram rides where it's loading in a new area but um that's pretty much and you know elevators but that's pretty much it there's nothing uh, significant as far as as forcing the player to, to stand around. Completely agree. Like you you referenced Mass Effect earlier, so yeah, it's using the old elevator yeah. load trick from that. It's using the the door open super quick sort of hesitant door open transitions almost from from Resident Evil. But having that one shot camera that that I, I just you know think of God of War now. I think of the old single shot camera these days. But uh, it's done really well in Dead Space. It is looking great and I love that this game and one of the biggest things that I think of when it first came out in 2008 was that minimalistic HUD. Like you don't have a health bar in the bottom left-hand corner. You don't have an ammo counter in the bottom right-hand corner. It's like you see all your status on your on yes, your suit. Yeah. You've got your health right down your spinal column. You've got your stasis level on the right-hand side of that. When you're using weaponry, you're seeing the weapon, uh, like the ammo counts on the weapons themselves. And it just really, really helps with the immersion. You're not sort of feeling like, I know it's played out in third person, but it still feels like you are firmly in his shoes as opposed to playing a character at times because it is so stripped back and there is no unnecessary distraction. So 
I love that that continued through 15 years on and yeah, the game looks so good and it plays so great. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's let's talk non-spoilery nitpick gripes, bugs, et cetera, et cetera, that maybe we haven't mentioned. Uh, one thing that sort of irked me a little bit is, yeah, you, you're forever, like, and we mentioned earlier, but I just wanted to reemphasize, you're forever either one step too late to getting reunited with your crew or various partners or you get there and there's a big old glass window or glass wall blocking you from having so many more personal interactions and, and i get that that's the way they like to i guess re-emphasize the helplessness in the game at times but it is sort of a bit lazy i feel so that sort of was a minor grievance and then one that you'll mention here is another one that i'm with you on so i'll throw the the microphone over and air those nitpicks and gripes jp Sure. So, a couple of things in combat that I'll mention first. The the worst one was sprinting. I just felt like I was constantly trying to sprint and constantly found Isaac just kind of casually strolling. Yeah, it's a brisk walk. Brisk walk everywhere. Well, but not only was the sprint not fast enough, but I often couldn't get into the sprint as quickly or as easily as I wanted to. So he would literally be walking away from like this massive monster and I'm like pressing the trigger, like the thumbstick in trying to get in to activate the sprint. Um, it, was, it was a little bit finicky. It wasn't just as simple as you want in, and as, as many games are. It's almost like a, I don't know. It's, it's the way that the, that the input responds, basically. It's, it's different from, from what I hoped it would be. And then second to that, and something that I didn't realize till like quite late in the game is that I just wasn't playing the game properly. Like, <laughs> I, what do you mean by that? I wasn't using stasis in combat. Like, I, I feel like that's something that everyone knows to do, and I can realize as as it becomes a necessary mechanic in some of the boss fights and stuff. But um, they introduce it as this way to keep a door from closing. <laughs> And I, I, unless I missed it, I don't remember them saying, oh, you can also use it to freeze an enemy. And I just never thought to try it because I didn't want to waste <laughs> what I had. And then I just never did it until later in the game. And because I hadn't gotten used to using it, it never kind of came to mind that I had the option to, to do it. Unless I was facing a, a sequence where I, I failed a few times and knew that I had to change my approach. Same with the, that's a shame. Yeah, it's super it, fun. Yeah, man. it like, is, and, and I, I, I got to experience that fun. It's just it wasn't part of my approach cool, to every yeah. single, uh, you know, every single fight, which you know means I never really ran out of stasis until I hit certain areas. But um, same with the kinesis, like used it to move around boxes, use it to do whatever. But it wasn't until basically towards the end of the game that I realized. Because I tried to throw a few boxes at people and whatever, and it didn't really do anything. But there's this really sweet uh, pin mechanic where you can throw something sharp and pointy that sticks dudes into into walls. Uh, and I didn't really discover that until the game was pretty much finished. So I, I feel like I missed <laughs> out on that too. Yeah, I, I was impaling people left, right, and center. Yeah. I was, uh, you know, I was Vlad up in here. Uh, just yeah, pinning necromorphs with any anything I could find, any object that I could uh, use my yeah. telekinesis on. There was a chance I was picking it up and slinging it. Especially you could find like the little explosive canisters, canisters, or the stasis canisters, which you could throw as well. And yeah. it was almost like a stasis grenade 
So it'll give you a bit more of a um, a wider area of effect yeah. on necromorphs, and then you could just go to town on these things. That I did. I, I did throw the explosive canisters. Uh, it was it was more just like the impaling I missed out on. But uh, hey, new game plus is is always an option. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. On top of that, I had a few issues uh, with puzzles. I mentioned like uh, I've mentioned it so many times already, but the way that um, and, and this is. A good thing and a bad thing, but it's it's my only reference point for this kind of stuff is Alien Isolation and, and Resident Evil in terms of you, the autosaves are infrequent. They do exist, which I'm thankful for, but every time you see a save option, you got to take it because you never know how long it's going to be till the next one. <laughs> and it can change the way that you're playing uh, as far as like how long has it been since I saved my game. And I love that element. What I don't love is that they generously gave us autosaves, but they didn't always utilize them after you'd completed a lengthy puzzle, which means that some of these puzzles you do, and then you might die and then have to do the whole thing again. And that can be really frustrating if it's one of those uh, puzzles that takes a bit of time, whether it's you know rearranging batteries and cores and fixing broken equipment there's a few that that take a a good while and similar to that if uh if you have a lengthy cutscene before a boss fight and you die there's no way to skip that cutscene so you can go straight to the combat that's a decision by the developers for you know i know why they do that um because they don't want to make things skippable because people will just skip it every time but I, i think that it's always nice to allow people on a second, you know, try to skip that kind of thing. And they didn't let me. But uh, that's that's the main thing. I have one major uh, puzzle issue, but I'll save that for spoiler territory. Okay. Because it, it really... It took me, like, without, without exaggeration, at least half an hour to get past this really simple part because I was just <laughs> doing it completely wrong. <laughs> I'm looking forward to talking about that uh, when we jump into spoilers. But yeah, listeners, you can sort of tell from from this 40-odd minute discussion we've had so far, there isn't a ton of gripes and issues we've been having with our experience here with Dead Space. It's been an overall pleasant and disturbing experience for both of us, I'd say, collectively. So maybe we'll share our final spoiler-free thoughts before we jump right on into those spoilers. And I just wanted to say... Yeah, I'm, I'm taking back every bit of slander and mud that I slung last year towards this game where I was very dismissive of this being good. I thought it was just going to be a bit of a mailed-in, slightly new coat of paint version of the game from 2008, which I loved so much. But my God, I was wrong. Uh, I would put Dead Space right up there with current remakes such as, you know, The Last of Us Part 1, Final Fantasy 7, as well as Resident Evil 2 when it comes to... I don't know if it's recency bias, but some of the best remakes of all time, in my honest opinion. Mm. So uh, Dead Space is up there on that uh, Mount Rushmore of remakes that I now adore and hold uh, very dear to my heart. Yeah, that's that's uh, very big of you to admit when you were wrong, Brendan. Doesn't happen too often. Um... <laughs> <laughs> did I admit that I'm wrong or I'm wrong? I think I think both. it's more so that I admit that I'm wrong. I'm wrong all both, the time. Both, both, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a different kind of remake to some of the the ones you mentioned. Like Seven's more of like a reimagining completely. Resident Evil Two and this are probably more on par, except that 
you know, the older you go, the more there is to modernize. So RE2 is going to be a bit more of a... Um, yeah, that was that was 10 years further back. Yeah. So yeah, 98 to 2000. Yeah, exactly. So so this is probably... It, like, it's the, it's the whole thing of like, this is how I remember it in my brain as far as like how great it, it looks. But, you know, I don't have any of that experience. For me, this is the entry point to the series. And I think it was a fantastic entry point for me. It lived up to the fanfare, as I said at the top of the podcast um dead space is a series that people have been talking about for a long time and now i know what all the hype's about now i know the terror of a, a necromorph sneaking up behind you which is probably the most terrifying thing that can happen <laughs> in this game um <laughs> and am i gonna go and play two and three on game pass probably not necessarily um just, but that's just because I'm wondering whether they're going to make <laughs> remakes of those games or a sequel or, you know, something else. If it becomes clear that that's never going to happen, then yeah, I'll, I might go back and try 2 and 3. There, there's some cool moments in 2 and 3, uh, you know. 1 and then 2 are probably the 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 pinnacle of, of that original trilogy. 3 has got some good parts and then some real head-scratching what-the-hell-you-doing parts, but... Overall, yeah, I feel as long as the, the reviews are translating to sales, we will mm. get a sequel in what capacity that's still to be confirmed yeah. with way the way they sort of retell and retread at the same time some of the narrative from the original. But yeah, it's it's well worth your money, listeners. Like if you are a horror fan, if you love the first one or you just love a good scary game, if you love science fiction... If you're horny and you loved uh, Event Horizon, fantastic sci-fi horror film. There's a lot of vibe in this game from that movie. So if you're a fan of that or you just want to play one of the best games of 2023, I know we're only just in the the start of February, but I feel this is going to end up on a lot of lot of positive lists and, and yeah. game of the year lists come, uh, come December. Absolutely. Yep. All right, listeners. This is your hard final warning. We are jumping into spoilers from this point on so if you don't want anything ruined i'd potentially look at pausing the podcast right now go and finish your dead space 2023 remake playthrough circle back once those 12 chapters have been cleared because we are going into spoilers in a three and two and one all right listeners so here is the the elevator pitch version the compressed version of the entire dead space 2023 remake story and it starts as follows the Kelly and crew crash lands aboard the Ishimura due to a docking malfunction. An injured Johnston stays behind as Isaac, Kendra, Hammond, and Chen investigate the seemingly abandoned ship. Necromorphs made from the corpses of the Ishimura's crew attack the group, killing Chen and forcing them to separate. The undead crew kill Johnston, destroy the Kellyan, then Hammond ejects a reanimated Chen in an escape pod out into space. As Isaac explores the ship, he discovers the presence of the Church of Unitology, a cult responsible for the outbreak of necromorphs, as well as a large red marker that caused the outbreak. Isaac is tormented by hallucinations induced by the marker and encounters Mercer, who wants to bring the marker to Earth. The USM Valor arrives to save the day, but is destroyed after suffering their own outbreak of necromorphs due to the escape pod containing chen 
Returning to the Ishimura, Isaac, along with Kendra and Kine, set out to return the marker to Aegis 7 to stop the outbreak. After retrieving the marker, Kendra reveals she was sent by EarthGov to retrieve the marker and kills Kine. The marker is successfully then returned to Aegis 7, but Kendra steals it back. She reveals that Nicole was dead and the marker manipulated Isaac and Cross to return it to the Necromorph hive mind. Kendra is killed by the hive mind, which is in turn killed by Isaac. Isaac narrowly escapes Aegis 7 before its destruction, but is attacked by a hallucination of Nicole as the credits roll. So JP, let's jump right on into our favorite slash biggest moments of Dead Space. Spoiler free, no longer. Spoil everything. Let's go. I mean, there's a lot of sci-fi nonsense happening in this story, I'll say, <laughs> at the top. As we just read that summary, I'm like, yeah, it's kind of just like, you know, it doesn't really make sense to me. But, you know, you introduce like a hive mind and a magic marker, <laughs> so to speak, and you can get away with a lot of stuff. Anyway, um, the things that I like the most, that's what we're talking about. I love that first time that uh, I can't remember the name of the character, um, but you're in cryogenics and he mutates into a necromorph right in front of your eyes. Uh, are you talking where the, where you're going to get the captain's uh, security chip? Yeah, and then the like the flying necro comes in and mutates him, yes. and you're sort of on your back, yeah. and it's on top of you, and you yeah. have to like explode a fire extinguisher to get him off you. Um, yeah, so that's kind of like the moment where you see, okay, the necromorphs are created this way and they you know it's not like a a bug that's like inhabiting their body and and growing out of their body it's actually them quickly mutating and to see how that happens was was pretty fascinating um going back to something earlier i should have said in presentation with the photo mode is uh, uh, one of the reasons that i wish there was a photo mode was because I love to kind of pause and zoom in and look at these monsters up close when they're not trying to kill you and to like it kind of takes some of the fear out when you can examine the Mm -hmm. different gruesome parts of them and and kind of get that uh, morbid curiosity about how their limbs are hanging and and the way that they've been designed. I I love that kind of thing when it comes to these monsters. Um, So that moment you get a really close-up look at this thing without worrying about gameplay necessarily. So I thought that was a really a cool, cool section for me. I agree. That was in my notes. I sort of said, yeah, when you find that captain's body and he, he looks like Darth Sidious on the autopsy table and then, yeah, this flying necro comes in and uh, starts that, that reanimation process and, yeah, when you're just sort of stuck in this moment where it's contorting and, and necromorphing, you know, it's yeah. morphin time maybe if we're going <laughs> to play off the off a fantastic show known as Power Rangers and then it's like vomiting blood and it's all just dripping all down on top of you and it's just this really like oh shit moment but also it's it's really really well done and and very pretty in a disturbing messed up way yeah the way the monsters move um so well animated like the AI and so creepy so creepy like I know we're in full spoilers and you're not sure if you're ever going to play two or three, but like there is like necromorph babies and children in oh future games, which are just all kinds of messed up. Like remember the the headless doll on like the spider body from Toy Story that's in Sid's <laughs> yeah. bedroom? Yeah. Picture that, but like this style. Okay. And that's what you get in the later games. And it is so 
skin-crawlingly messed up, but I live for it. Yeah, what else do you have on your list? Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed that, uh, well, maybe enjoyed's a bit of a sadistic way to describe <laughs> it, but, like, the random interactions you have with various staff on the Ishimura, like, they're either, you're finding them and they're already a corpse, or you're then getting an audio-based uh, log that you can hear and get some updates on what's brought up to, like, what's led up to now. But when you do meet some of the the still-living members of the Ishimura, like the first one you meet where you can, you're walking down this hallway and you can sort of see a silhouette at the other end and you're just hearing like this thud, thud, thud. And you're like, what the hell is going on? And you get to the doorway and you're sort of seeing it's it's an Ishimura, I don't know, medical staff member or whatever. And he's just so broken mentally that he's just headbutting this wall to try and end it all. And then he keels over and he dies in front of you. But then you've got other ones where you meet this wounded sort of almost like Ishimura police officer slash soldier woman and she's sort of against the wall and she's starting to lose it and then she gets a gun out and kills herself. You find this other medical staff operating on a a necromorph corpse and after she finishes operating, like slices her throat right in front of you. Like there's some really, really twist up, horrific skin crawling moments in this game where just about every, let's just say human that you meet throughout the game is either dead or close to death and it never ends well. And even though it does get recycled with everyone you meet, it still feels fresh and creepy all the same, which I really enjoyed. Mm. Yeah, th- there's... um, I- I've got just a few things that I loved happening in the game because I-, I-, I don't want to mess with the order of-, of your chronology there. So there's a sequence towards the end of the game where you go into a room and there's a bunch of dead bodies. And then if you open a door, one of those, it's the specific monster that reanimates uh, dead people. And it, you know, reanimates them. Suddenly there's now five monsters in that room with you. And I just got wiped out. So next time I came to that section, I picked, uh, you know, uh, Kinesis picked up the bodies, opened the door and just piffed them out the window as far as I could. (laughs) (laughs) So they're like, now they're like 30 meters away and the room's sealed so that no one can get in, no one can get out. There's no dead bodies. You let that monster in, suddenly it's got nothing to use against you and it's just like a different story. So I really love that there's different ways you can play with with the um, scenery in that way. And that was one that um, was, yeah, really memorable. (laughs) 100%. Yeah, I I like... There's just so many ways to go about your business in there. Uh, yeah, if we're sort of just moving through the the standard narrative flow as far as favorite moments, uh, when when you do have the necromorph Chen coming back after uh, yeah ruining ruining the uh, the what was the the mil- the USM Valor coming in to almost you know save the day and it gets destroyed due to uh, you know Chen being evil and uh, possessed by possessed by this bloody cult based deity and. When you're seeing him and Hammond have this scuffle in front of you through a glass pane, as is tradition in this game, you can't do anything. But Hammond's like, no, we've got to, we've got to just uh, incapacitate Chen. We can bring him back. We can save him. But then uh, Necromorph Chen's like, I ain't having none of this and just impales him like twice through the chest with his big sort of spike um, blade arms. But then in an ultimate moment of sacrifice and just a hero YOLO moment. Hammond pushes him into the singularity core and just disintegrates the two of them. And you know, the lockdown gets lifted because this unknown alien entity has been accounted for. I thought that yeah. moment was sick. 
Yeah, the, the, the whole, and leading up to that as well, like when the escape, uh, the what is it, the the beacon, like the emergency beacon's been lit up or whatever, sent out, the message is being broadcast. That's what you've been trying to do for like a whole chapter or two. And then when the ship's coming to rescue you and you realize that they intercepted the escape pod with Chen and that Chen is on board their ship and it's probably killing everyone on there. That was like a wall moment for me because, I mean, it's kind of ruined by knowing that there was 12 chapters in the game. But initially playing this game, especially in 2008, you'd kind of just be like, oh, like someone's coming to rescue us. This must be winding down towards the end of the game. And then it's like, oh no, they're all dead and things are just going to get worse. So I love that they found a way to to just keep raising the stakes. Yeah, and it didn't feel like it was just a throw-in. Like it all weaved into that, that yeah. narrative and, and gave us more time in this uh, twisted world. And it, it kind of shows you as well like why it was so important for none of these necromorphs to make it off the... Uh, off the... You know, back to off Earth or, or whatever it is. Yeah, like... And it's similar to like Alien. It's like, you know, once these things get there, they just kind of wipe everyone out. So we have to deal with it now. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's got a lot of beats to that, like to reference it or indirect references and comps to the alien world and the alien universe, which I love mm-hmm. being a, an alien, aliens, not so much three and everything else, <laughs> but uh, super fan. But I also liked the where you see Temple getting killed by Mercer when he's got him under the influence of stasis and and he's having a yeah. bit of a back and forth with yeah. Isaac and he's like you know what just just side with me this is the future you know the the beacon and and the cult this is the uh uh convergence you know we need to have convergence where uh regardless if you're dead or you're alive you're going to be feeling the marker's pur- uh, purpose we need to we need to um action convergence Isaac very weakly sort of says no go away I'm, I'm not siding with you i think he almost says like get out of here pal like it's not like an fu or anything it was such a such a weak vocal moment but then him going all right well have it your way and then he shoots uh temple in the back of the head with his slug but because he's under stasis you just see this play out like yeah. in slow motion and the bullet slowly push through his head and kill him obviously but it's such a cool little moment, such a villainous moment. It is. Is that when the hunter is first revealed as well, just after? Yeah. 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 So and the hunter yeah, is a creepy old beast with its giant ass, long hanging out, dual tongue thing. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a roided up necromorph that is just a killing machine. But yeah, getting getting that battle straight after is just like, Ooh. yeah. And, and, and realizing that you couldn't kill this thing after you've wasted like a lot of ammo on it is like a moment where you're like, ah, crap. Um, yeah. maybe I die and, and, and come back and, and save my ammo and take him out the, the way you meant to take him out with the cryo, uh, room in the, in the center of cryogenics. But, um, yeah, that, that was a pretty cool thing. And anytime the hunter was involved, whether you were running away or trying to figure out how to take it out was, was pretty memorable as well. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, Mr. X from Resident Evil. Yeah. You know, we've got, yeah. Similar tropes across that game here with the hunter, similar type of vibes where you just got to survive. You just got to slow it down long enough to to get out of there and get into that next zone. Uh, I liked as well, they redid Mercer's death from the original to the remake where 
in the original in 2008, you sort of just get into this this area and Mercer's just getting killed by by a necromorph, where in this one, he gets this big sort of villainous send-off where this giant-ass tentacle wraps him and the beacon up and, like, drags him down to the, you know, the pseudo-depths of hell. I thought that moment was really cool because in the other one, he just sort of gets impaled and stabbed and squished a few times. Mm. So a little bit more uh, a little bit more sinister and a bit more evil. Yeah, that's cool. There's, there's a lot of... Uh anime betrayals in this game isn't there so many so you can't trust anybody in this game like every, everyone's two time and three time and like double cross and triple crossing quadruple crossing like yeah you, you can't trust anybody and if everyone any ever asked me to be like a, a space engineer i'm like no i don't want that job i'm out i'm done yeah yep i didn't have anything else didn't have anything else. I guess the, the ending, the you know, the, the final boss fight, and the, actually the boss fight with the life, Leviathan. Each of those instances was was pretty cool. Um, they didn't overload the game with boss fights. I'm glad. No. Um, so they were effective when you had the chance to do them. That's it. Like we had the the battle with the brute, the tentacle, the hunter, and then yeah, the, yeah. the two variations of the Leviathan and then the hive mind. So yeah, it wasn't at the end of every chapter a big boss battle. Uh, which was good, so it kept things feeling pretty fresh. Uh, seeing seeing Daniels after she she double crosses you, and you find out that she works for a company called EarthGov, which is you know <laughs> some of the like, did they just forget to to name that? Like, did they not have a workshop to try and work out what they were going to call this department? They're like, oh, EarthGov, that sounds about right. Yeah, chuck that in there. <laughs> but seeing seeing her get smushed and then smashed into oblivion by the big old hive mind, but uh, just before that. Finding out that uh, your girlfriend, I'm surprised. Like, I'm sad that it wasn't your wife. By the way, I'm always like, oh, girlfriend, why, why didn't you put a ring on Nicole's <laughs> finger? But uh, the big reveal that you find out that Nicole, who's been sort of your indirect primary driving force, even though you are, I guess, trying to save the Ishimura and stop planets from blowing up and everything else, it feels like Isaac. He's constantly focused and constantly trying to push forward to find Nicole. You find out that she's been dead from a long, for a long while. She actually committed suicide because she didn't want to become a necromorph. And instead, Elizabeth Cross, who worked in one of the other departments, has been playing Nicole the entire time because the marker has done some kind of mind trickery because it's been playing with the way you think and messing and altering with your mind. She's been thinking that you are Jacob Temple the whole time where you've been thinking that uh, she's Nicole. And then it gets revealed. Daniels kills her. And yeah, then it sort of goes into that final final onslaught where you're fighting the hive mind and mm. getting to the end. Yeah. Did you see that coming? Did you see that Nicole... No, no, no. no. no definitely not. It's, a, it's not the kind of... I don't feel like that's the kind of twist you can predict. But uh, yeah, sci-fi nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Did it? Uh, did it hit you? Did were you like? Whoa, no. Like, this, see, this is what I was. Sad? This is what I was saying before. Is that like I knew that she, you know she was his girlfriend, but you just don't really like. You don't know what their life's like back on Earth. You don't know that you know they go picking strawberries together on the weekend. There's no like emotional depth to it. It's just you're my girlfriend. Like it's it's fairly surface level to to me as far as game narratives go in, in you know when you haven't got these moments together it's via radio or it's with a glass screen in front of you you can't really feel a connection like joel and ellie or or amicia and, and hugo or whatever it is it's uh 
Is it Hugo? Yeah. Um, it's just it is. it's just harder to to do it with this type of. Uh, it's not really the type of game it is, but it's the decisions that they've made to of how to deliver the story. Yeah, and 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 there's the lack of backstory. Like you you're on this ship going here. There's there's not. You know, it might be hidden in in certain cutscenes and audio diaries, as far as like some of your history. But um, yeah, you know, you're not getting that your high school sweethearts or that you you know she wore a red dress to prom or anything. And and that's it. If they did just like a simple flashback to further build out this romance, you probably would have cared a lot yeah. more. Like, I'm I'm probably way too empathetic for my own good <laughs> and, and love a good romance story. So anytime there's there's some love or lust or whatever it's going to be defined as in Dead Space. <laughs> I'm all on. I'm totally on board. Like I'm riding that tram on those emotional love-based tracks up and down repeatedly because I want to see him succeed. I want to see that beautiful payoff. Yeah. But instead, we find out she killed herself, and you've been living a lie for however long, and it's very heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. But it is kind of nice. Not nice, but I guess having Isaac being a voiced protagonist at that moment like i remember yeah how they playing this in 2008 (laughs) and having this moment and he's just like mute and you sit there and go okay he's just so distraught and broken so you're getting sort of two different feelings because obviously he's vocalizing and processing it in the 2023 remake where in the 2008 remake he's just silent and just collecting his thoughts and trying to put himself together under that helmet where in this one he's talking it out a little bit more. So you're getting two different perspectives of the same outcome, which is kind of cool. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, but um, they're, they're sort of our collective favorite slash biggest moments. Let's uh, look on the other side of that coin, JP, and maybe talk about any nitpicks and gripes or least favorite moments we had from our 15 to 16 hours worth of playtime. Yeah, I mean, how many times can you be on the other side of glass while a crew member meets their demise? How many times? The answer is how many? The answer is five or six from my count. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, like the first time it happens, there's multiple people on the other side that you're separated from. I think Chen's the one that ends up dying, but every other character dies on the other side of glass. It's always glass. <laughs> it's never anything but, and it didn't have to be. It didn't have to be this way. <laughs> Because it, it really did. It makes it so predictable as well. It's like, oh, there's going to be a monster that's going to come in behind them and I'm not going to be able to do anything about it because there's glass. Uh, glass. Like, why? Is, what kind of glass is this? Space glass. Space glass. The strongest of all glass. <laughs> it's uh, 12 inches thick glass. Yeah, I don't know. It's it, it, it kind of, as I said before, we've said this a few times already, it just reeks of... Ah, it's 2008, this is the best we can do to avoid the problem that we can't solve, which is, you know, I I guess it was how do we make it so that the player doesn't feel like they should be able to prevent this from happening? Oh, we'll just have them separate. Um, and, it, you know, I think we've, we, we, we expect a bit more in 2023. We're going to demand a bit more, you and I, I think. And, uh, you know... It's it's a there's a reason that they don't really do it like that now. It's just not, you know. And if you're gonna do it, do it once, like not five or six times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like, how how are we gonna <laughs> close this scene off? How are we gonna sort of put a bow on this moment? You know what? Glass wall, feeling of helplessness, can't do a thing. Enemy come in from from off camera, 
kill the person. Isaac gets shocked again, but somehow it happens an hour yeah. or so later again. Anyway. And then as soon as they leave, the door opens. Oh, and now I can go in there, but I couldn't before. Yeah, it's very, very lazy, very lazy writing. That's for sure. But like, yeah, it is, it is very true and respectful of the 2008 game in that regard. But yeah, maybe just reimagine some of that. Come at, come at it from different directions. But uh, yeah, I don't really have a ton of gripes from a from a like a spoiler related angle. Like, I really enjoyed the game. I'm completely with you as far as the the, the constant recycling of yeah helplessness behind a pane of space glass and not being able to do anything the you know sprinting and everything else we've already addressed as far as the yeah the floatiness and the lack of agility that that isaac clark has but overall i i had myself a good time um with this that's good i could have done with a little less backtracking but at the same time it did pay off yeah by rewarding you with things so uh yeah i enjoyed it all right i'll tell you about my puzzle problem <laughs> so there's a there's a torpedo room as it's called and i became very familiar with this torpedo room because i was in there for at least 30 minutes it's the sequence where you have to shut down a warhead and there's two exploding necromorphs in there one of them runs at you as you try to shut down the, the warhead and if it explodes which includes you shooting its explodey part or it attacking with its exploity part. The whole room just... It's just an instant, like, fail state. And I didn't realize you can actually kill these necromorphs without exploding them. I thought the only <laughs> way to kill them was by exploding their exploity parts. So, even... So, I was trying to shut this torpedo down before it killed me or before it blew up the room. And between doing that and failing and figuring it out... And the whole process, I, I must have done it like, you know, 20 plus times, um, which got really tiring. And eventually I just watched a, uh, you know, a video of that sequence and I saw them shoot this thing in the other arm or in the legs or whatever. And it didn't blow up. And I was like, oh, you can just kill it. Because <laughs> <Huh. laughs> sometimes if you just shoot its legs, it will use its arm, which is explosive, to blow you blow you up. So you really have to take out its like I guess stasis, kill it, and then it's dead. But I didn't realize that, that was an option. You you overthought it. I did. You overthought I, it. I may right? have. You know these these torpedoes and explosive appendages. They play more of a part to this instead of just going. You know what have I done for the the previous dozen hours or so i'll just uh yeah you know, instead of just willy-nilly shooting blades at it or whatever you, you went up for a little bit more of a tactical well every time i see these things i shoot them for the explodey bits because it kills whoever's near them but this was the time not to do that i guess anyway that was that was my nitpick just because it it, it punished me so much it's more of a me problem i guess but um <laughs> in, in that sense they they I don't hold your hand through the puzzles. There's sequences where you really have to just figure it out. And it, sometimes it's trial and error. Then you realize you've been doing it the wrong way. It's going to take a bit longer. But um, yeah, I mean, they were never so uh, tedious that they've ruined anything. Although that 
yeah. that one room was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, you know for next time. It takes it you from know a, for next time. It's like you know you start off with some people the way they review is like they start off at ten and they just subtract numbers. It's like yeah, this would have been a ten <laughs> except for that section. Now it's it's I've taken it down to a nine. Yeah, fair, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. So, so in obviously the the lead into the spoiler part, we did give you a very condensed summary mm-hmm. of the story, but there is also an alternative ending that you can get by doing new game plus mode, and then you have to go and pick up twelve pieces yeah. of you know marker and take it to this. I don't know what you'd call it, like almost like a worship room. Yeah, take all those like twelve a, pieces back there. It, it's like yeah, it's like a cultic kind of seance kind of thing that's the word yeah. yeah seance is a good word to use so you find these 12 pieces and then it triggers a secondary ending where you get and isaac is on on this escape shuttle afterwards so so the ending still plays out the same for the most part but then the difference is isaac's on this spaceship and he's discussing building something with this brand new more passive hallucination of nicole so Mm. it's not the one that jumps at you and tries to kill you when it cuts to credits in the the first ending of the game uh instead you've got uh the 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 sort of pans back a little bit and you can see your helmet on the ground but you can also see like marker language written all over the shuttle's interior you're getting full like conspiracy theorist broken-minded isaac with his uh hallucination of his girlfriend riding in tow to potentially uh, make a marker back on Earth or somewhere to uh, potentially ruin mm. the universe, really, which is very, very, very different because this does not exist in the original. Yeah. This is completely new storytelling by Motive, and it makes me very curious if they do make a sequel, what are they going to do? Like, are they going to acknowledge this alternate slash secondary ending, or is it just going to be that fade to black one where you get? Nicole's hallucination jump scaring you as the credits roll. I don't know what they're going to do, JP. Yeah. This will make more sense to you than me, but the the commentary that I was reading about the ending, it was probably in the YouTube comments to be honest, um was that this alternate ending actually lines up fine with what happens in uh Dead Space 2 because I guess the the marker or you know, yeah, the marker has had some kind of influence on Isaac as that game starts. So it doesn't necessarily flag that they're going in a new direction. It's more just like here's another angle or another insight on how the original game ended that was not previously shown. So I don't know if that makes sense to you or I'm just going from random YouTube commenters who don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> but uh, I, I thought that might be a, a way that they kind of hedge their bets with this, where it can go, you know, which one's canon? Well, technically, they both are. This one's what we saw. This one's what's happening inside of his head kind of thing. Yeah, like the the second game, by memory, it starts... It's a couple of years after the, the situation from Dead Space. I think it's like a three to five year jump. I can't remember exactly... But you are in... The game begins in the second game where you're in a hospital. I can't remember what the what the, the planet's called as well. Sorry, I probably should have checked it out in the notes. <laughs> but yeah, you wake up in a hospital a couple of years past the, the events of the first one and you're in a straitjacket. So it could yeah. lead into it where 
Isaac is dealing with psychosis and voices from the marker and everything else. So it could weave in there a little bit and, and help flesh out that three-year gap or five-year mm. gap going from the Ishimura to this to this planet where you're in a hospital and then this next necromorph outbreak occurs. So, yeah. so yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but there's also in number two, one of the sort of the main side characters dealing with named Ellie, where she could potentially become maybe more of a focus or the playable character in the second one or a spin-off if they maybe want to go down that path too. So I'm very curious to see what they do... Yeah with this franchise moving forward like as we said 88 on metacritic it is getting a lot of love and rightfully so Mm. and i'm hoping that's going to translate into enough sales to justify chucking motive back into this world and helping them build out dead space two three four whatever Mm. because um i want more of this jp i want it bad yeah and i guess the the question is like it's obviously critically acclaimed we haven't i don't think we've seen sales yet but it's hard to imagine this not selling millions millions of units and being um, a big earner for ea so with that in mind it's more a matter of like what is the next dead space game is it dead space 2 remake is it we're going in a new direction you know a a new timeline is it a spin-off like you said with a different character or do they just jump ahead to number four and, and do a brand new story with, you know, I don't, I don't presume, I don't assume that Isaac survives in Dead Space 3, but let's just say he does with Isaac in Dead Space 4. Like, is that an option? Because Dead Space 2 and 3 are a bit more modern probably than the first one and don't necessarily need to be remade i don't know so they have options i guess is my point and they uh you know it's always good to have options when it comes to this kind of thing yeah definitely like i know on the initial go around visceral did put some rough plans in pay in place for a potential sequel to three uh but that got scrapped because three was poorly reviewed and it didn't sell that well at all so i'm hoping we don't follow a similar tune here with with the first remake of Dead Space and it doesn't sell that well because I want more of this story. I want to see what Motive do in this sandbox because I am all in after playing Dead Space 2023 edition because it is sick in all the right and wrong ways. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to look at Resident Evil as a comparison and go, they did two, they did three, now they're doing four, but you know, are they going to go back and do one like they don't necessarily have to do them in order and we're guessing that they'll stop after four and they're going to continue making like new resident evils at the same time um so you know there are like i said there's options i don't think anyone's going to be upset with uh a new dead space after playing this um because because they've created a world you know it's the 26th century we've established the weapons we've established the tech and the uh the the religion and everything so there's nothing that says it has to be an isaac story could be anyone it could be a prequel it could be anything you know you could have a lot of fun with this you could have you could get thrown into the shoes of one of the first members of the church of unitology and and you know, introduce a whole new character because there is a big world here that you could build out from and Isaac doesn't need to be front and center of it all. So 
yeah, I'm hoping, hoping, hoping we get a second one, um, whether it be a direct sequel or just something that spins off in this Dead Space universe because I am hungry for more. In the in the vein of Alien versus Predator, which uh, franchise would you want to see them do a, a versus, Necromorph versus something else? Ooh. And it'd have to be Predator because Alien just seems more like it is a hive-minded type of beast where... What about a game, a a game a franchise? killing machine? Oh, a game franchise. Yeah. Mm, let's darken up Mass Effect even more and have Commander Shepard stumble across a marker <laughs> and uh, him and Isaac can team up. Yeah, okay. Could be, They're yeah. both EA-owned IP. Let's do it. Hey, Reaper versus Necromorph. Yeah. Let's go. Please and thank you. But JP, what is your last word on Dead Space before we close this podcast down? The last thing that I'll say is something that you've already said, uh, but, but I do expect to see it popping up on Game of the Year lists, whether it's, you know, people's fifth favorite game or third favorite game. I don't think it will be like at the top because it's a remake. It's something that people um, are really enjoying, obviously, but this year's got a lot of games coming out. So um, even the fact that I think we both expect it to to make top tens, and you know, I, I'm probably expecting it to to be part of my top ten, is a huge compliment because of what's still to come. Yeah, I'm I'm with you in lockstep there. I feel this is going to be in a lot of people's end of year game of the year related discussions, and rightfully so because it executes everything it sits out to do at such a high, high, high standard. Yeah. And yeah, it'll be on my list as well as yours, JP, and. Yeah, listeners, do yourselves a favor and pick up a copy if you haven't already because it is a great, great, great reimagining of a great, great, great title. If it, if it came out last year, it may have been like top three or top five games of the year, I think, for, for me at least. Yeah. It'd be up there yeah. for sure. Like uh, obviously we had a had a pretty good run last year with God of War and Horizon and things like yeah. that, but it'd certainly be in the front half or on the cusp yes. of the top five and it could potentially be in 2023 so uh well done motive i am again sorry for uh smack talking you <laughs> intermittently throughout 2022 because i was all in on callisto protocol and i enjoyed my time with it but this game you know callisto hits a infield double where dead space has hit a home run here and uh i am all about it so uh yeah, listeners, what did you think about Dead Space? Be sure to hit us up on them socials at Johnny himself, at Brendan8bit, or at WeAre8bit, or keep that discussion going over on our Discord with the direct link available for you right now. But JP, I guess it's time to get on out of here. So uh, until next time, 8 Nation, may your life be spoiler-free.